Fading Kingdoms, Part 2, The Unknown, written and narrated by Daniel Myers. Chapter 4, The Massacre at Diamond Bay. few days since fate had Coral, Durand, Bello and company meet and set out on the quest. The kingdoms do their best to salvage what's left of their resources. Time is most certainly running out. One kingdom is almost at the point of total starvation. The island of Nautix has become a somber place. Supplies are dwindling, morale is low and the citizens are losing hope. Coral's father is sitting alone at the only bar on the island. Hey, fish. I'll take one more for the road. Yep. Coins first this time. Your tab is bigger than any fish we've seen in years. Slightly embarrassed, their father slouches and polishes off his pint. Fellow Nautic bar patrons are whispering and looking in his direction. He can only hear select words due to the crowd noise. He makes his way to the bar to settle his tab. He fumbles around in his pockets and realizes he's a few coins short. Fish, the bartender, gives him a disappointed look and slides his pint in the other direction towards the gossiping nautics. Come on, Fish. I'm good for it. Why don't you go home to your wife, Ray? Keep out of my business. Ray turns to the gossiping nautics. And you two flounders, have some respect. Ray storms for the exit and trips over a stool. He tumbles to the ground. Laughter erupts from the bar patrons as Fish comes from around the bar to help him up. I know what you've gone through. They don't understand. Please, go home. Right. Home. Ray stumbles his way down the rocky path and opens his cabin door. His wife is lying in bed, reading in candlelight. Out of coins, or kicked out? Both. You can sleep here tonight on the shell chest. Out before sunrise, that's our deal. Shell chest? That thing hasn't been dusted in years. Ray stops mid-sentence and begins to sense he's not wanted. He mumbles to himself and lays to rest on the chest. His mind is wandering. Ray breaks the silence. I didn't know she left. I had no idea Jacques approached them. I wouldn't have let her- I know, Ray. Don't worry about her. Go to sleep. They should be back tomorrow from his expedition. He'll take care of us. I think it's time you let go of the past. I have my children, you have your ale. That path only leads to pain. You have no idea what I saw. Good night, Ray. She blows out her candle and turns over to rest. The moonlight is shining through the window onto Ray's face. He begins to doze. The sounds of the ocean soothe him. He drifts to sleep and begins to dream. Those dreams become nightmares. 
It's 30 plus years ago. The island of Nautix doesn't exist. The Silver City's army is in the midst of an unprecedented battle against seafaring creatures. Two soldiers are sprinting from the stern of their boat towards the captain. The noise is so loud they can hardly hear themselves as they yell. Captain, our divers are missing. None have reported back. You two head back and keep watch. That's an order. Yes, sir. The soldiers make their way back towards the stern. There are hundreds of boats and other vessels navigating the waters of Diamond Bay. Shore snatchers and blackfins are stealthily puncturing boats from below, grabbing unsuspecting soldiers and ripping them into the water. The reason is unknown why these creatures have assembled to raid the bay's ports and docks. Diamond Bay is home to nearly all of the city's imports. The loss would be catastrophic not only for the city, but its surrounding kingdoms. We aren't going to last much longer. Our navy in the east won't be here for another day. Just keep fighting! The two soldiers are firing their arrows until their hands bleed, only hitting their targets a half of the time. These creatures move fast and can sense what is happening above the surface. Boats are capsizing every few minutes. The screams of soldiers ring out across the bay. We have to tell the captain to get us to land. I'll go and... Their boat is slammed into by a massive blackfin. They see their captain fall overboard along with a dozen soldiers. They are efficiently picked off by the snatchers one by one. The two soldiers can only watch. A few massive tentacles slowly rise from the surface and wrap around their boat. The two soldiers hold on to each other as their vessel begins to sink. This is it. This is how we go. When nearly all hope has been lost, they hear a loud horn ring out from the land. The tentacles quickly retract from the boat and slip back underwater. The two soldiers rise and see an army of men and women. They're all dressed in green. It's the pride. The prairie pride, I hear. <laughs> Cheers ring out from the surviving city soldiers trapped out on the bay. The Prairie Pride Army lets out a battle cry, then sprint towards the water. Their biggest men carry flat-bottomed boats handcrafted by the Pride. Dozens of Pride leap into each vessel as they slip out onto the bay and begin to battle the creatures. Hope has been restored. The city's navy has a renewed second wind of strength and confidence. Come on, the reserve boat is still okay. The two soldiers hustle into the boat and begin to paddle away from their sinking vessel. Tentacles are everywhere and Blackfin zip by their boat. A pride boat in the distance approaches. Hey! Over here! They reach the pride boat and are helped on board. Thank you. Don't mention it. If you lose this bay, it's bad for all of us. What can we do? Paul Spears is over there. I hope you city folk can lift them. On it. The battle rages on. There are now thousands of city and pride soldiers out along the surface, fighting side by side. The massacre of Diamond Bay is now turning the favor of the humans. The water runs red. Blood from the creatures and humans alike. The shore snatchers and blackfins are retreating back out into the Sea of Secrets. 
there still is one issue. Their biggest import vessel is docked way out at the end of the bay, where the creatures have made their last line of defense. The soldiers have made their way back onto land. The city's leaders gather to discuss. Our two surviving soldiers race to a small huddle of high-intellect generals to hear what's being said. Something must be done. We have protected the main docks and ports. Consider this a victory. That vessel is essential. We can't abandon it to such vile creatures. We will restock in time. Nonsense, General Wellington. Your very words are nonsense. It was a slaughter out there. This will be voted upon. No material items are worth lives. If I may, I believe I have an idea. A young, newly appointed high intellect steps forward. Who is that? That's Goron. He's only 18 and already appointed on the High Guard. Nepotism at its finest. Garan lifts his arm and points out towards the vessel. If we abandon that vessel, we show that we're weak. Weak? They're creatures. They don't have the intellect to sense weakness. Oh, really? Yet they strategically took out a dozen of our strongest navy boats. Such a distinguished high intellect general should know better. Garan, that is out of line. Respect. General Wellington has been in office since before you were alive. Right. Of course. My apologies, General. Enough of this. What do you propose? A distraction. Garan walks down towards the shoreline. Everyone follows. We simply can't outmaneuver them on the surface, but we might be able to trick them. Are you suggesting human bait? Too risky. Now let those with experience handle this. We'll go. A large member of the Pride comes forward. But we want compensation. The crowd of pride and intellect soldiers break out into a whisper. For some reason our crops are short this season. We'll do it for a third of that vessel's stock. The high intellects all look towards each other, yet don't exchange words. They know it must be done. Done. Do you approve, General? The General is uneasy and senses the risk is not worth the reward. General? The air is filled with desperation. But he's noticed he is outnumbered. Load one of the pride boats and sail it along the coast. This will lure the creatures away so we can send a silent surfer to hoist the vessel's anchors. It should drift along the current and beach itself. I'll do it. Our brave soldier from the battle steps forward. I have silent surfing training and can take care of the anchors in seconds. A silent surfing vessel is small and fast. It usually goes undetected by the creatures. Yet anything besides the boat touch the surface and your cover is blown. Let's get you ready. General Wellington preps the soldier for her departure. Pride General, pick your best man with a bow, just in case, and load your boat. The Pride boat slowly makes its way back out onto the bay. Remember, stay close to the shore. The creatures have been cruising around the vessel for the last hour. Good luck, soldier. Keep your limbs inside, breathe slowly, and if you make any noise, remain still. The silent surfer lifts her sail and glides across the surface towards the vessel. Back on land, Garon whispers with his fellow intellects. General Wellington is pacing the shoreline, water up to his knees. Tension is in the air. The Pride General addresses his men. Listen here, lads. Hold steady, keep these bows loaded, and when our signal, let out your most primal yell. Our silent surfer is almost near the boat when she feels a bump. She freezes in terror. Has her cover been blown? She lies in silence, praying this was just debris. Seconds pass, another bump. A bloodied hand grabs the side of her boat. Our surfer remains quiet. She knows if she tries to help him, the mission will have been for nothing. 
the hand is quickly yanked back beneath the surface. Our surfer waits before she lifts her sail again. She's made it to the vessel. She hears the creatures breaching the surface. She slowly grabs a side net and climbs on the deck. She's made it. Ah, excellent. Indeed. Okay, signal the pride. An intellect soldier waves a flag high in the air. The pride boat lets out a roar that could be heard miles away. The creatures streamline it towards the pride boat. Our intellect soldier on the vessel quickly cuts the anchors. Okay, signal them to come in. They'll be surrounded in a minute. Hold that order. What? You don't have the authority. Our vessel hasn't made it close enough yet. We can't take any chances. Out of order. I agree with Garan. Hold that order. Confused, the intellect soldier keeps his flag down. The men on the pride boat continue to yell. I think we've done our job now. They're coming in fast. Okay, lads, ten back to shore. The pride boat begins to turn. Hi, intellect. The pride boat seems to be heading back to shore. Fire artillery in their direction. This is madness. If they come in too soon, we won't have a distraction. You heard him. Fire. The intellect soldiers on land load their catapults with artillery and launch them into the area of the pride boat. The artillery splashes all around them, holding the creature's attention. The remaining pride soldiers on land are too small in numbers to revolt. They watch their fellow pride helplessly. Just a few more minutes. They'll be dead. General Wellington sprints down to the water and leaps onto one of the remaining boats. He loads his boat with oil. He races towards the pride boat. They've sold you out. Grab these and pour them around the boat. It'll buy us some time. The pride soldiers on the boat begin surrounding themselves with oil on the surface. The creatures are now circling, calculating. The general sparks an arrow and slings it into the water. The surface bursts into flames surrounding the boats. The creatures shriek as they continue to circle. Our intellect soldier anxiously watches the pride boat under attack as the vessel is heading towards the shore. The intellects on land cheer. Intellect, jump on our boat. General Wellington leaps onto the pride boat. The snatchers are becoming curious as tentacles breach the fiery surface. They grab a few unlucky pride soldiers. Everyone, row, now! The pride boat is being picked apart by snatchers. A dozen soldiers have been taken. They battle their way back on shore and sprint onto the sandy surface. The snatchers rip the boat into pieces. In the distance, an exhausted and bloodied General Wellington can see the massive vessel beach itself. Hundreds of intellects cheer. Hey, you intellect! You saved us! What is your name? General Wellington. General, they sent you out here? They sent nobody. Saw you as expendable. They sold you out. Well, that doesn't surprise us. Our elders won't be happy with this news, but perhaps we won't tell them. You have to. It's time the Pride stick up for themselves. That's fair. They will hear about you. Thank you, General. I'm ashamed to call myself a high intellect. The General rises to his feet and walks back towards the crowd of intellects. General. Marvellous. The rest of the high intellects have finally made it down to the beach where Garon stands. Simply marvellous. General Wellington steps towards Garan and knocks him out. Oh! Garan's lifeless body falls into the sand. What on earth were you thinking? You will be placed on high trial for this assault. The general ignores his fellow intellect's threats and continues walking away from the shore. He passes the brave silent surfer soldier and gives her a nod of approval. He's then greeted by two fellow high intellects. G general, what happened? 
You don't look good. Go ask Ray. Tell me what happened. He'll tell you everything. The general disappears into a crowd. High intellect Jacques makes his way to the beach and confronts his fellow high guard. Ray! Garon! What happened to General Wellington? High intellect Ray is helping Garon to his feet. Garon, are you okay? He attacked me! Well, he did. He was out of line. He must be put on trial. But I'm not sure our orders were morally sound. We saved the vessel, didn't we? We did. That's all that matters. I'm going to tell my family all about this triumph today. If you want to be painted in a positive light, you'll watch what you say. Garon storms off into the crowd and back towards the city. The two future Nautic leaders gather to discuss. Ray, I, I don't understand. Was that a threat? I think so. Listen, Jacques. I made a mistake today. Men are dead because I fed into Garon's pressure. How much longer can we pretend our titles mean anything? <sighs> Why don't we return to the city? Then we can discuss what needs to be done. I think we both know what needs to be done. No! Ray jolts up from out of his nightmare. Ray? Another nightmare? Yes. Sorry, I didn't... I didn't mean to wake you. I, uh... Listen. You have to address your past or you will lose everything. We are broken, yes, but you still have a chance at repairing what you've done to them. I'm afraid if you don't try now, my family will always be torn apart. I'll be gone soon. This may be the last time anyone tries to help you. I stare at death every day. Surely you can muster the courage to at least fix what you broke. I don't think I can. That is my final wish. Ray's wife turns back over to go to sleep. Ray remains upright on the chest, drenched in sweat. He stands up and walks outside. A fellow drunk stumbles by. Ray, Ray, oh, hey, hey, buddy. Hey, uh, oh, take my pint here. The drunk hands Ray what's left of his ale and stumbles off singing aloud into the brisk night sky. Ray takes a long look at the pint. He brings it up towards his lips and takes a final swig. A second passes and he spits it out. Always calling everyone else cowards. You're the coward. Ray tosses the glass out into the sea. He turns and makes his way back into the cabin. The night sky turns from black to red as dawn approaches. Back in the majestic forest of Enchanter, our brave five are confronted by a beautiful gold rumor bird. Bird, do they carry a message? The bird cocks its head back and forth. No response. I haven't heard a lick from any of these rumor birds since I left home. Dust will make any bird talk. Shh, shh. this one has something to say. Falco, do you have any bar bread left? Falco tosses some bread towards Durand. The bird's eyes lock onto the food. Oh, yeah, you want this, don't you? You guys are stubborn, I know. Now, you tell me what you know, and maybe you'll get to taste some of this delicious bread. Best we don't antagonize the thing, Mr. Durand. Bert, do thee carry a message or what? The bird begins to ruffle its feathers and spreads its wings very wide. See? It's all a bunch of rubbish, if you ask me. Durand! The five stare at each other. Did that bird just say your name? Gerwa? 
It, it, it did. It, it has more to say. Duran tosses the bread towards the bird. Come, bird. Tell us. Durand, the city has developed special seeds that will help the crops regrow. They're being dispatched to all the kingdoms. Return home and... and I can't! Durand, this is a lie! The bird starts letting out violent sounds. Growers heard screaming as the sound of fists hitting flesh can be heard. Eventually, the bird ruffles its feathers again and flies off into the forest sky. Gurwa! Duran begins to panic. I, I have to go back. Stay, stay. Who is Gurwa? Why would you leave now? He's my best friend, my only friend. The leaders in the city are using him against me. Seems to be working. Shut up. I I'm sorry. You guys have to go on without me. Duran begins to pack his bag and turns to leave. Think about this. It'll take you days to return to your city, and for what? For these bad people to capture you too? I can lead us. Let him go. He will be killed if I don't go. Mate, I have to agree with the Nautic. Heck, he's probably dead already. Duran gets in Bello's face. Watch your tone, boy. Who are you calling boy? Falco steps in between Bello and Duran, diffusing the situation. Let him go. We'll be fine without him. Coral, Bello, and Falco pack their belongings and make their way towards the Enchanter's home. Duran sits down on a tree stump and tries to calm himself. The Enchanter remains with Durand. Don't you need to show them where you live? House they will find more important things like relaxing your mind. She's right. They're all right. I can't do anything, but I can't live with myself knowing that I got girl into this mess. Hmm. Friends you will still be. Even beyond life, you will see. Come, come. The Enchanter grabs Duran's bag and stares over to the group. Come on, Duran. We need you. I'm sorry for the dust up. While they settle into the Enchanter's home, anxiously awaiting their departure next morning, one of them cracks a joke. Duran forces a slight smile, yet deep down he is hurting. Gurwa's fate is unknown, and that is exactly where they are heading. The unknown awaits. Chapter 5 the Magnificent. Fathorn is inspecting the inventory at a fruit stand within the Pride Market. This is it? That's it. Even the stone berries are bad. Yep. When do you expect another shipment? Yesterday. The concern is all over Fathorn's face. The Pride is already tense. Your boy best come through for us. Fathorn simply nods his head in response. He pays for two half-rotted sacks of stoneberries and makes his way through the crowded street back home. Upon his return, he is greeted by his gorwogs a few hundred yards away from their home. What are you two doing out here? L let's get back home. They sprint together down the dead grass pathway which leads towards their dwelling. The bush Hella usually picks herbs from is completely bare, and her basket is on the ground. Hella, where, where are you? There is no response. Fathorn begins to panic. H Hella! Hella! Fathorn enters their home to see it has been ransacked. Hella is missing. Fathorn lays out a water dish in the berries for their gorwogs and locks the door. He sprints down their pathway back towards the Pride Center. After consecutive nights of torment and no rest, Gurwa is near a breaking point. He's been tested by the Silver City guards to no avail. His courage has held strong, but everyone has a breaking point. This peasant will break soon. Oh, I can feel it. Yeah? 
What makes you think so? Look at him. He's weak. He's a coward. Always has been. You know him? I can just tell. Ah. Well, I'll bet you he doesn't crack for another few days. Ha! Dumb as an outlander you are. Deal. Perhaps. We'll just have to wait and see. I wonder what's so special about this one. Usually, we just lock him up and never come back. Seems the intellects are worried about him. Worried? Look at this pathetic excuse of a man. Or shall I say, boy. Yes, pathetic indeed. Anyway, aren't you on meal duties today? Yeah, yeah. Same as yesterday? Please. The one guard exits to fetch their lunch while the second guard and Gurwa sit in silence. I don't know him. Shut your mouth! I don't know him, but I know you. The guard quickly rises to his feet. One more word and the chamber you will receive. Henley. The guard is caught by surprise. Henley is his surname. Your family lived down the road from mine. We've even played alley ball together as kids. How do I know you're telling the truth? Emerald Alley. Red door. Lucky guess. Your family's favorite dish was blackfin stew. I could smell it every other evening as it wafted down our alley. Beautiful smell it was. Gurwa? Gurwa nods his bloody head. I... I'm sorry. You chose Trisa. Henley turns his back on Gurwa and returns to his seat. Silence hangs in the air for minutes. I understand why you serve. Protection for you. For your family. What would I need protection from? Those who toss men in cages to rot without blinking. Henley doesn't respond, yet he looks deep in thought. I believe. Believe what? I believe that you believe in your duties, but that does not make them right. Doesn't matter what I believe. I have to think of my family. I agree. There's an intellect who can help us. I think he'll help us. Are you suggesting I let you go? Are you insane? I don't know you. Just because we cross paths as children doesn't mean I owe you anything. The dungeon door swings open, startling the two. The other guard enters with food. They were out of tuna, so it's grilled snatcher again. That's more than fine. Thanks. I see he's awake. I say we put him back to sleep. The guard walks towards Gurwa and pulls out his blade. Gurwa begins to wriggle in his seat. The guard begins to tease Gurwa by dragging the blade up and down his legs. I don't suppose you'll need legs being stuck in a cell for the rest of your miserable days. Pick one. Gurwa doesn't respond and keeps his head down. Or maybe we take off a few fingers. We'll make you less of a risk of picking locks. <laughs> The guard picks up Gurwa's arm and brings the blade to his hand. I think that's enough. Just one. Goron said if he opens his trap, we can do whatever necessary to shut it. Well, he didn't. What's got into you? The guard lifts his arm once more. He begins to slice through Gurwa's index finger. Gurwa screams out in pain. Henley slams the guard over his head. Gurwa's eyes remain closed as he realizes the blade is no longer slicing through his finger. 
He opens his eyes and looks up to see his childhood friend standing over him with a bloody meal plate. <sighs> Take me to this intellect. Durand and company have been hiking through the outer edges of Enchanter's Forest for days with zero signs of the unknown. I say we take a break. Who's with me? We keep moving. Uh, I can't even feel my legs. Well then walk on your hands. Everyone stop. Ten minute break. Excuse me? Yes, a break sounds good. You heard me. Durand, we're exhausted. I think it's best if- Fine, ten minutes. Fifteen. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay, I see what's going on. Uh, please raise your hand if anybody else has experience as a tracker out in the field. No one? I have experience surviving without all the shiny silver advantages that came with your service. Uh, how about some bread? Uh, I, I took some from the little enchanter man's home. It's fine. Fifteen minutes is a good time. This trek is going to be hard. Decisions will have to be made for the benefit of the group. And they will be. Now, who wants some water? While Coral is passing her canteen around, a noise is heard in the distance. Shh. Quiet, everyone. I heard something. Is someone in trouble? Maybe. I've run into some sinister folk before Durand and I cross paths. Could have been following me. Maybe it's a trap. Trap, perhaps. Wondering which, maybe, but also a lead. I'll go check it out. Everyone else, stay here. This one of those decisions? Durand ignores Coral's sarcasm and heads off into the forest. He is fighting his way through thick vegetation. The screams grow louder and more sinister. Hello? Who goes there? Are you okay? Duran sees a shadowy figure. Uh, you! Are you okay? Who are you? The figure stops and slowly turns to face Durand. It stands very still. W what's your name? Are you injured? The figure doesn't respond. Uh, my companions and I are heading into the unknown, yet we, we could use some direction. The figure points up. Duran looks up to see the fog disperse to reveal the magnificent. A rocky pathway is at the foot of the mountain. Duran looks back towards the figure. It's gone. Hey, where did you go? Duran takes a moment. Duran. Duran jumps and spins to see Bellows standing behind him. Oh. Startled me there. What was the awful sound? A witch? A person, I think. They seem to have vanished, but they showed us the way. Sounds witchy to me. We'll head off after the break. Ah, yes. The break. The two head back to camp where Durand informs the group of the new passageway. The High Intellects have gathered for their monthly meeting of the minds. Garon rises to address the group. My fellow Intellects, strange and troubling times we find ourselves in. Well, let others find themselves in. <laughs> Yet, we have been burdened with the task of providing for all of our great citizens. Pardon my intrusion, Garon, but the Outlanders are dying off in alarming numbers and our third-rate citizens are reporting a lack of high-end meats. I'll worry when the second-rate citizens can't find a decent bottle of red. The council erupts with laughter. <laughs> now, where was I? This isn't a laughing matter. Pardon me, intellect. If I find it amusing, amusing it is. Now please, don't address us unless it's something viable. Any word from Durand? Durand? 
I said viable information only. The reality is, Duran's mission will fail. We are on our own, which is why I'm revealing the Great Protection Plan, which is already in action. Protection Plan? That's what I said. We have accumulated enough reserve supplies to keep all of our citizens fed for as long as it takes. Oh. Our reserves haven't been replenished in weeks. That's how. Garon points to the council chamber doorway as it opens. The bright sunlight shines through the door. A man walks his way towards the council. That can't be. Is, is that a pridesman in the chamber? This pridesman is the reason you shall enjoy the finest meats, ales, and medicines the pride has to offer. Isn't that right? The pridesman nods his head. What is your name, pridesman? I am Padwin, and I'm no more pride than you. Bay has been sailing for days, coasting up the shoreline, keeping an eye out for Coral's boat. He's had a few run-ins with shore snatchers, but was able to outmaneuver them. Something in the distance protrudes from the water. Bay readies himself for another snatcher encounter. Show your ugly face. Let's go. The closer Bay gets, he realizes this is no snatcher. It's a sunken boat. Coral's boat. Panicked, Bay ties himself onto a half-destroyed dock to investigate. Coral. Coral, are you around? Please answer me. No response. Just the sound of seagulls overhead. Bay scouts the area and discovers foot tracks. Hope has been restored. Back on the island of Nautics, Jacques is roaming the main avenue and doing his best to instill hope amongst those who've lost it. Resources are basically gone, and time seems to be running out. Jacques, any word from Coral, the fishing expedition? We hope to hear from Coral very soon. Rumor birds take time to arrive. What about the fish? Bay, we're starving. Yes, yes, they should be back soon. Is that all you can say, soon? We will all die soon. We will be fine. Please, trust me. Trust? Trust won't feed our kids. Jacques is being surrounded by anxious and desperate nautics. His words have fallen on deaf ears. The crowd begins to get aggressive. Pushing and shoving ensues. Everyone, be at peace. No one listens. A brawl has broken out. Stop this madness. Ray? Everyone stops. Stunned that the town drunk has gathered himself, his typically unkempt presence has been cleaned up. He's donned his old silver jacket, hair slicked back and face shaved. Yes, my friend. I need your help. We need it. Why should we listen to this drunk? Yes, I'm an imperfect soul. I've been living in neglect for years. I can't change that. But I beg you to listen. Now, we will not survive much longer. Which is why I will make my way to the city and bargain. The city has abandoned us. I will join you. Thanks, my friend. We might be detained and righted the second we step foot on the mainland. So be it. What about us? We have no food. Jacques raises his hand to block out the sun. There's a vessel in the distance. He points his finger out to the horizon. 
Reef and Simone are drifting towards the docks, yelling out with excitement and holding up many black fins. We've been saved! Reef and Simone dock their boats and join the gathering. Took us a week to catch 20 fish. Are we happy? Yes. But this sea is anything but rich with life. Oh, and we also found the snatchers to be venturing into deeper waters. Oh, it's getting dangerous out there. We must go. It's not just the fish that we need. It's supplies for our boats and our rotting houses. Our problem is far from over. You can take our boat. She's still stopped from the voyage, and she's in good shape. We leave now. Ray, with me. The nautic crowd cheers as they hang the fish in the town square. Jacques and Ray hop on Simone's vessel and head off towards the city. Wait. Where's Bay? The group has gathered at the base of the mountains. The pathway revealed is steep and dangerous. The climb will be difficult. The rocky stairs disappear high into the fog. How high do you think this goes? Hmm. No idea. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, has anyone ever come back from climbing this rock? Not that I'm aware of. Well, this kind of attitude certainly doesn't help. Just stating a fact. Alright, let's go. Have a few rope-tight arrows just in case. In case of what? In case one of us falls. Any better ideas? Yeah, don't fall. Bello rolls his eyes. Strap your bags tight. Get caught and fall, you might. The group begins to scale the pathway. Much to their surprise, the first hundred feet or so are done with ease. All right, everyone follow my lead. Where my foot goes, your foot goes. But my foot is bigger than yours. Coral gives Bello a sarcastic look. They both smile. Doesn't matter. Move with precision, commit to every step, one movement at a time. We are going to make it. Shouldn't we attempt to form two lines? Why? Well, if you fall, we all fall. She's right. <sighs> Fine. Falco, Enchanter, behind me. Bello, over here. Bello and Coral split out about ten feet to the right of Durand. The first group begins to climb. The first hundred feet are done so with ease, yet the climb ahead looks more daunting. The air is becoming thin, the temperature is dropping. When a rock falls, the sound of its impact with the ground takes a bit longer to reach them. They have now reached over 500 feet. Oh, I, I, I don't like this. I think I'm going to be sick. Just don't look down. Falco has slowed his pace. The enchanter takes his walking stick and slaps him on the rear. Move now, or I go round. I'm feeling off. Oh, so sweaty. Is anyone else sweaty? Falco begins to sway back and forth. Falco's face looks as if he's seen a ghost. He begins to fall back. Durant, look! Falco! Uh-oh! Without hesitation, Bello stabs his knife into a crack in the mountainside and fires off an arrow through Falco's backpack. The arrow, tied with a rope, slices through his shoulder, but he doesn't react. It sticks into his backpack. Nice shot, Bello! Thanks, but this oaf is heavy, and I don't know how much longer I can hold on. Falco is passed out, hanging by a thread due to Bello's lightning-fast reaction with his bow. If he falls, so do we all! He's not gonna fall! Bello, give me one of those! Here! Bello tosses Coral a rope-tied arrow while struggling to hang on to Falco. I'll take a shot at his back. That should be able to stabilize him until he wakes up. 
Falco's legs are swinging back and forth, making it difficult for the Enchanter to dodge without losing his grip. Enchanter, hold on! <laughs> Can't do this much longer! Need to be stronger! Carl, hurry up! Enchanter, look out! Coral fires a second arrow into Falco's bag. His swaying has stopped. Falco's limp body is now hanging against the mountainside. Great! So what now? I don't know. Give me a second. We don't have a second! Okay, okay, we need to wake him up. <sighs> Hope this works. Duran pulls out a smaller canteen from his bag. He begins to pour it down over Falco's head. What are you doing? What is that? His favorite, Hornet whiskey. Huh? Duran continues to pour the whiskey over Falco's head. The big man begins to stir. His eyes are beginning to open. The whiskey flows over Falco's lips. He licks and smiles. He snaps out of it. You're fine. They have you strapped in. Just, just don't lose hold of your bag and grab onto the mountain. Okay. Falco regains his balance. Uh, Durand? Yeah? Do you have any more of that whiskey? Relieved, <sighs> Durand doesn't answer. Assuming no one else plans on passing out unexpectedly, I think we might make it. Now hang on, and don't look down, you big oaf. The group continues their climb. Hours pass with no issues. The sight is like nothing they've ever seen. The sun shines bright, the sky is limitless. The temperature, which was once freezing, has risen. The top of the mountain is near. We're close! The group lets out a sarcastic cheer. The journey has taken nearly a day with zero rest. I can't feel my arms. All right, let's finish this climb. We're close. We'll regroup at the top. We'll set up camp and spend the- Before Duran could finish his sentence, a large rock flies over them and smacks Falco off the side of the mountain. No! Falco! The group watches as they see their friend fall and disappear through the fog. More rocks begin to fall from the top of the mountain. What is going on? Look, up there! The sun is bright, yet they can only see the dark outlines of people dropping the rocks. Bello and Coral sling arrows aimlessly towards the cliffside. More rocks are falling. Durand is grazed and almost loses his footing. Keep firing! The Enchanter scurries past the group and begins rubbing his hands together. No time to pray! Watch! The Enchanter launches his hands into the sky. A purple light illuminates above them, blocking the falling rocks. Enchanter, how long can you hold this? The Enchanter doesn't answer. He remains focused on holding the shield. The rocks eventually stop. The Enchanter releases the shield. Exhausted, he nearly falls, but Duran grabs him. We have to move. Now. What about Falco? He could, he could still be hanging on somewhere. Fellow, he's gone. We, we have to move. We don't know that. I sense no life below. Durand is correct. We must go. The group hustles over the final stretch and makes it over the cliff. As soon as they are stable, they load their arrows, anticipating a fight with the mysterious foe. Show yourself! Cowards! Silence. Not a soul in sight. They fire a few arrows into the fog. Hold your fire! Hold your fire! I don't see anything. They are gone. Durand, this could be bad. We don't know who or what these things are. We could be walking into a trap. There's a reason no one's ever returned from this venture. Bello, calm down. Calm down? I just watched Falco fall a thousand feet to his death. We have an invisible army dropping rocks on our heads in a place no one has ever been. I'm tired of people telling me what to do and how to feel. You're right. This is bad. But panicking gets us nowhere. 
The enchanter picks up a few stones left over from the onslaught, holds them close to his mouth and whispers something. He throws them as far as he can and they illuminate behind the fog. This way, to find those who will pay. Chapter 6 The Soiree Fathorn arrives hastily in the Pride Town Center. Where is Hella? He bounces from one stand to the other, begging his fellow Pride for information regarding his wife. Where is Hella? Much to his surprise, no one seems interested in his pleas. In fact, the townspeople begin to whisper and point in Fathorn's direction. In the silver pocket he is! What are you speaking of? You sold us out! The crowd starts screaming in Fathorn's direction. Grab him! We'll show you what we do to traitors! The mob begins to close in on Fathorn. Fathorn begins to wrestle with the crowd. He feels a sting on his head that knocks him to the ground. He begins to hear screaming, yet it's not his own. The stings increase. It's... Stone shower! Run for cover! It's daylight! We've never had one during the day! The crowd is fleeing for shelter. People are fighting for space underneath the market tents. It's pure chaos. Fathorn gathers his strength and rolls underneath a produce stand. He watches from underneath as people fall to the ground and are beaten to death by the unexpected stone shower. There he is! He's hiding underneath that stand! Fathorn is weighing his options. If he attempts to flee, he will certainly be pummeled by the stones. Yet if he waits, the citizens will do the same. The shower intensifies. The stones are beginning to break their way through the market stand. Fathorn doesn't have much time. Then seemingly out of nowhere, the shower stops. Fathorn peeks out from underneath the stand to see a bright blue sky. It's over! Get him! Fathorn, grab my hand! Bodwig on horseback is cruising down the main avenue. He stops, kicks a few pridesmen away, and lifts Fathorn onto the horse, and they speed off to safety. Gurwa and Henley sneak down Emerald Alley. They enter Gurwa's old home. My family isn't here. Don't panic. They were just forced to a new dwelling down in the third-rate citizen sector. Were they harmed? Are they okay? Yes, I oversaw the removal. It was civil. It's all my fault. Maybe. But what are you going to do about it? What's the plan? Right. There is one intellect on the High Council who many believe wants to see Goron gone. If that's the case, why hasn't Goron come up with a way to eradicate him? That is his specialty, after all. This is the oldest sitting member. High intellect bourgeois? Yes. You're a prisoner of the city. I'm now a wanted traitor who will be righted for treason. How do we expect to have an audience with Bourdois? Garand's monthly dinner soiree is tonight. I know the hospitality staff well. They can help us get in. From what I remember working those in the past, Bourdois only goes because it's mandatory. He spends most of the evening out in the main balcony. Perhaps we can find a way to get his ear for a few moments. Tell him Goron is draining what's left for everyone outside these walls. Oh, it's risky. Low percentage of success. Low is better than no, Henley. <laughs> I agree. Well, I hope your family has some first-rate attire we can borrow. Ever since the tragic moment at the top of the Magnificent, the group has been carefully making their way into the fog-laden unknown. While their senses are high, not much has been said in the last hour. What is this we're walking on? Definitely not rock. 
Uh, it could be. It's just covered with moss. Meaning, there must be water nearby. I don't sense any water. The air is dry. This fog has no density to it. Very strange. Into the unknown we go. A region yet discovered. <laughs> Good thing we have one another. Duran signals for the group to stop. Well, doesn't look to be any life here, though. I'm not really sure what we'll eat. I have a few cans of Nautic sardines. Bello has the bread you guys picked up from the dust den. No, I don't. Huh? What do you mean? Falco had it. Falco had it. The very mention of Falco's name silences the group. After a moment, the enchanter pulls out a can of sardines and begins to rub his hands together. Wow. He sprinkles a purple powder created from thin air over the fish and hands one to each of them. This purple dust I have applied, extra strength it will provide. Incredible. You are something special, Enchanter. The Enchanter smiles. They all slurp down their sardines. Listen, I believe we need a genuine rest. If it's okay with the group, I suggest that we camp for the evening. There's no sense heading into this unknown, completely exhausted and, and grieving. I agree. Bello? Sure. Mr. Enchanter? The Enchanter nods. They set up camp and take turns sleeping. A few hours pass. The Enchanter and Bello are snoring. Durand is sharpening his blade by the fire. Coral's eyes open and she stares towards him. I see you staring. I'm not sure how you can sleep listening to that. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Nautic men have a reputation for bodily noises. Women too. <laughs> not my brother though. He slept in complete silence. So peaceful, always. I'd find myself lying awake at night just staring over at him while he was sleeping, envious of this peace. Yeah, the mind can definitely be louder than some snoring. But what is it that's keeping you from attaining that sound sleep? My mother. Is she... Alive? Yes. No. Well, maybe. She was when I left, but she didn't have much time. She's been sick the past few years. Elder Syndrome, we believe. Elder Syndrome? That's it? The city has plenty of medicine for that. Except they stopped sending us shipments. Huh. Wow. I'm sorry, I had no idea. Although it doesn't surprise me with who's in charge of my city. That's what happens when you don't cater to the will of a narcissist. Time will reflect on him poorly, regardless of how long his tenure reigns. Your mother, though? Only fond memories. Thanks. She's a special person. Kept my father sane, well, sort of, ever since the split. What rate was your family when they lived in the city? First. First? Your father must have had a high ranking then. He did. High Master of the Navy. Well, he must have known my grandfather then. I mean, you know the Nautics split weeks after the massacre. Obviously, Nautics being mostly made up of high ranking Navy and their families. They are indeed. So, do you have family back home? They must be quite the polished bunch with you being on the council and all. Ah, yes, yeah. Well, I did have a family. Oh, sorry. Are your parents gone? As far as I know, yeah. I was raised by my grandfather. The general? Correct. He raised me alone. No parents, no grandmother. Just us. Well... That's better than nothing, right? Yeah, of course it is. Until he was righted. Righted? 
executed. You know, us polished intellects feel the term executed is beneath us and not honorable enough. So he was righted for doing the right thing. Well, I'm sorry to hear. He does have a positive reputation amongst the Nautics. What about your parents? I wish I knew. My grandfather was gone before he told me anything about my parents. I mean, at this point, either no one knows or has been instructed not to tell me. So they could still be alive. No, they're, they're gone. I can feel it. Just how and when is being kept for me. Must be hard. All this pain we felt makes you question if this is all even worth the struggle. We have every right to be cynics, you know? But I think there's always something to fight for. I mean, there has to be. Just find one bright spot in your life and focus on that to give you the motivation you need. Who is your bright spot? Gurwa. His family. Yeah, they mean a lot to me. They're pure souls who deserve a life without shackles. Just like the millions of others in the city. So who's yours? Is there some bright spot back on the island waiting for you? <laughs> like a spouse? Yeah. Well, or a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, sorry, sorry, this is rude of me to ask. There is no one. When your daily routine is to avoid starvation, you tend to neglect things like dating. Yeah, I understand. And sorry, I don't, I don't mean to intrude. Well, now you must return the favor. Is there someone in the city waiting for the great Durand? Bella wakes up and interrupts the conversation. <sighs> All of this talk of companions is making me miss my fairy buddies. Pardon? My buddies. Uh, my gorwogs. <laughs> As the group laughs together, they finally get to enjoy some valuable rest. Gurwa and Henley sneak past the main entrance of Garon's dinner party. They make their way around back and knock on a door. A large and intimidating man answers. Hi, uh, we're here for... Uh... Uh, pardon, my friend. <laughs> Stay off the dust, am I right? <laughs> the man gives them a confused look. <laughs> okay, anyway, we are the extra labor you requested. I wasn't aware of any extra labor. The head chef yells towards the door. Go on, get in here, we could use a hand. Relieved, the two enter. How are you? It's been ages. Yes, nice to see you. I need a favor. After all the times your family built me out, no problem. We need some waiter outfits and we'll serve drinks. Preferably the hot stuff. You got it. Hey, Giorgio, suit them up. Thanks. The chef speeds off. Great. So what now? If I know Baudoir, he enjoys a stiff drink. The two grab some drink trays and maneuver around the soiree. There are over a hundred guests, all lavishly dressed and half in the bag. Laughter and snickering resonates throughout the gaudy dining hall. Gurwa overhears a few familiar intellect voices and keeps his head down. Glasses begin to clink. A public address is imminent. Ladies and intellectuals, I just wanted to thank you for joining us on this beautiful evening, given the circumstances. I assure you that while the world may be suffering, you will not. The Council and I have seen to it, trust me. So enjoy yourselves. Drink more than usual if you'd like, because this is cause for celebrations, not stress. Oh, please, you're too kind. Now go, eat, enjoy. 
As Goa rolls his eyes, Henley taps him on the shoulder and points out towards the balcony. At him? Yes. The two head out towards Baudois, who has a drink in hand, gazing out over the city. No thanks. Um, pardon? Drink. Have one. No thanks. Oh, we're actually not servants. <laughs> Funny. Aren't we all? I'm told you can help us. That depends. Help you with what? Goran. He's out of control and he needs to be stopped. Gourois? Duran's errand boy? Friend. Sure, sure, yes. Goron is bad. Everyone knows this. Then why haven't you or anyone done anything? Why haven't you? I'm doing it. Ah, oh, whatever. Look, I'll take those drinks and not speak a word of this. Please! Two guards walk out onto the balcony. Everything okay, our intellect boardwalk? Of course. I'm just catching up. This one used to clean my house. The guards head back inside. You keep this up and you'll be dead. Listen, there are some who have similar beliefs. They dwell in the third-rate citizens' part of the city. Find the vendor selling bright red berries. Well, nowadays they're more rotten-looking, but regardless, whisper the phrase, Diamond Bay, there was another way. You'll find those who will help. Thank you, High Intellect, truly. How can we repay you? You can start by getting out of here. Look behind you. An intellect is frantically pointing towards them. It's Gerwa! Stop him! The two guards begin sprinting towards them. Go! There's a ladder around the corner that will get you down. Huh? I'll hold them off. What about your family? They'll be killed one time I did. You need to find those men who will help. But... Go! Gurwa makes his way to the ladder and climbs down. Henley tosses his serving dish towards the charging soldiers. Gurwa hears Henley struggling from above. Gurwa makes it to the bottom and hears an awful scream. The scream progressively gets louder. A body slams on the ground in front of him. It's Henley. Oh my god. Still in shock, Gurwa finds the strength to stumble away into the night. After being saved, Fathorn has safely arrived at Bardwig's home. Bardwig, I can't explain what happened. Everyone just turned on me. The same people I saw hours before. Padwin. Padwin? What? His cronies rode through town yelling about how you and Hella gave us up to the intellects. That's nonsense. He's like a brother to me. He was. Have you heard anything about Hella? Is she okay? She's fine. In the main holding cells. I know the guards. Good men. I have to go get her. But rest tonight. We will. We? What about your boy? He's coming too. Right? Bodwig's son nods his head. Why would Padawan sell us out to the intellects? You let your history get in the way. He's evil through and through. My guess is he saw the writing on the wall and made a deal to save himself. I always saw him for who he was. I trusted him. I let Bello go, assuming it was the right choice because of Padawan's confidence. Perhaps he was just weeding out potential threats. The people respect your family. Easier to pull the wool over their eyes with just one of you around. We have to get the truth out. We have no actual proof that Padawan's turned. Well, 
We just have to find it then. Or we just try to get the people behind us. Padwin's proven that it doesn't matter if there's truth to what you say. Say it enough and the masses will buy it. Must work the other way around, no? Maybe. Even if we get the pride behind us, but what then? Families are starving. It's fight or flight for most. It's going to be impossible to get them to fight for anyone but themselves. And who can blame them? True. Unless the fight is to save all. The two men spend the remainder of the evening dining and planning. They just might be the spark the pride needs to restore their place in the world. After a much needed rest, the four have continued their venture out into the unknown regions. The fog has yet to lift. The temperatures are inconsistent and noises unlike they've ever heard. So I guess if we just keep walking enough, we'll stumble upon that garden the old folk blabber about. Perhaps. Great. Then we just water it and be on our way then, right? Perhaps. Well, perhaps we start to think of a plan besides aimlessly walking. Who said it's aimless? Well, I don't think it's going to be as simple as that, Bello. It might benefit us to start thinking about an alternative plan. I've been tracking a scent ever since we climbed the mountain. What? I didn't smell anything. Listen, I saw someone at the base of the mountain. Bello startled me, and when I turned back, it was gone. This person had a smell, a familiar scent. Durand, the smeller of ghosts. Ah, ha ha ha, very funny, yeah, but seriously, take my word when I say, we're not aimlessly walking. So much for the group decision-making we discussed. Yeah, about that. Sorry. Not to interrupt the banter, but does anyone else see that? Coral points into the hazy distance. Mysterious-looking blinking lights illuminate from behind the fog. <laughs> lights I see. Not sure what it could be. Shh. Everyone keep your head on a swivel. I don't think we're alone. Arrows up. Beat you to it. They inch closer to the floating lights, but suddenly the lights spread apart and surround them. Hold steady, hold steady, hold steady. No sudden movements. Let's just see what they do. These floating orbs induce a hypnotic state. I feel off. I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> These floating orbs now hover within inches of each of them. The orb begins to morph into human shape. Dad? We are dying. Your mother is gone. Bays lost at sea. And you ran off. Left us here. No, no, I, I didn't abandon you. Coral, are you okay? An orb swings in front of Durand and begins to shape into a human. Grandfather? How can this be? My dying wish was to give you the chance to serve. Have a better life. Look at you now. I don't understand. I'm trying to save the city. And have you yet? N no. We're lost. Uh, grandfather, we're lost. Sad. All the advantages life gave you and you're just another lost soul. Bello and the Enchanter are also being confronted by orbs. Father, I didn't mean to fail you. Where's Mom? She's gone? I won't return to the forest. I accept my banishment. Our four heroes are now yelling, trembling with fear. The air is thick and warm. Bello drops to the ground and passes out. Help us. Please help us. What is going on? What is going on? One by one, they all drop to their knees and pass out. 
the unknown floating orbs vanish into the sky. As they drift in and out of consciousness, there are people walking around them, whispering to each other. After a few moments, the four awake. A dozen people surround them, dressed in similar clothing, but all with unique features. Who are you? Who we are is insignificant. Why you are here is the question that must be answered. Are you the ones who killed our friend? The Magnificent is dangerous, my dear. Many have been lost there. People threw rocks at us. Who was it? Bellow, relax. I'm Coral, a Nautic. That's Bellow. He's from the Pride. Enchanter from the Enchanter's Forest, and this is Durant from the Silver City. The Enlightened Woman stares down Durand with interest. We've set out together to discover why our lands are dying. Yet we don't know exactly what we're looking for. A magical garden, maybe? You must be exhausted. Why don't you come with us to our village and maybe we can help point you in the proper direction. I'm sorry, we, we haven't been told your names. We don't carry such trivial things such as names. You can call us the Enlightened Ones. Confused, Duran looks towards Coral. Now please, follow us. The four now head further into the unknown with this new group of enlightened. The city streets are buzzing with commerce. The one place on the map where the citizens seem calm without a worry in the world. The sounds of bells ring out across the city, signifying the meeting of the minds. Welcome, my fellow intellects, to the meeting of the minds. Today is the day where I reveal to you our plan. Before I do, remember, this plan is not for the faint of heart. In times like these, we must look out for each other. Fight or flight. Whatever you think is best, Garon, you've not let us astray. And I never will. With the help of our newly appointed council member, Padwin, we've collected all of the Pride's reserves, which will feed our first and second-rate citizens for decades! I'm sorry. Did you just say newly appointed council member? I don't misspeak. Now, if I may... He is a Pridesman. This is against code. Centuries have passed without breaking it. Well, aren't I progressive? I intellect Bordois. I understand the apprehension. But please know that I will serve this council with dignity and respect. And serve you have. Intellect Padwin, besides me, of course, is solely responsible for the guaranteed safety of our people. So we just let the other kingdoms starve to death, huh? Better them than us, no? Listen, Pridesman, you're only here because you stabbed your people in the back. I'm as much an intellect as you now. Play nice. The plan, gentlemen. Our great scientists have developed a seed that will grow crops within days. No need to wait an entire season. Well, if that's the case, why steal from the pride? I'm not finished. The crops are poison. A facade. Population control. This is an outrage. I will not stand for genocide. Yet if we don't do something about those outside of our city, we will have quite the problem knocking on our door once they find out we're comfortable. By all means, 
You may join them. Bourdois stands, gives his fellow intellects a concerned look, and exits. Trust me, fellow intellects. This pains me more than you can ever know. It's what must be done for our families and future. After a half day's walk in silence, the group arrive at the base of a village. Meticulously placed trees line the pathway leading to a large gate. The enlightened signals up to another person atop the gate. It opens. They enter into a courtyard, everyone dressed in the same shades of white and gray. Smells incredible. Where do you find game? I haven't seen an animal with four legs since we've been out here. Not every meal requires four legs, my dear. May we ask some questions now? There's a cleaning chamber being prepared. Use it, then we gather for dinner, where you may ask all that you desire. Thank you. Thank you. The four enter the cleaning chamber. This place gives me the creeps. I agree. Something is off. Off? These people are providing us much-needed shelter and food. Which we are grateful for. Yet, I feel a tension with these people. Agreed. Until they start pointing arrows at us, I'm not going <laughs> to question them. Duran, the lights. What? A magic I know, the things it showed, our deepest fears followed by tears. <sighs> okay, Enchanter, what exactly are you trying to say? Keep in mind, we don't have all day. I think he's saying it could have been them. Listen, of all people, I know we should be on alert, okay? The smell I was tracking, it's here. It's her. I feel as if the smell has surrounded me my entire life. That could be the floaty orb things. Still messing with your mind. No, 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 no. This is deeper than that. I feel a connection with her. Or the orbs. Let's go eat. I'm starving, and yes, I'll be bringing my blade to supper. Me too. Fine, but keep them hidden. We don't want to be the ones to start the trouble. Durant, with all due respect, but have you just conveniently forgot about the people who dropped rocks on our heads? Killing Falco? Or the dark magic the enchanter sensed that made us lose our minds? I get you smell something familiar, but let's not pretend this is some sanctuary. They're all dressed the same. That alone is reasons for concern. I hear you. Just keep your weapons hidden. That's all I'm asking. After a warm rinse and a change of clothing, they make their way back to the courtyard for dinner. A long table is set with beautifully carved wooden plates and utensils. Candles illuminate the hazy air. There are six enlightened already seated. Welcome. We thank you for joining us. Please sit. The four sit down. Duran sits at the head of the table facing the main enlightened. Thank you. So, to be clear, we address each of you individually as enlightened, or do you have specific names? That is correct, Durand of the Great Silver City. You say that as if you know me. So, no names then? No names. I do know you. I know all of you. How so? Because we are all of you. The enlightened points to everyone around them at the table. There's representation of each kingdom. Nautics, Pride, Silver City citizens, and even enchanters. We used to be a part of the machine. The endless cycle of greed, tribalism, and violence. Now we are here, truly free. You were an intellect. I was. Is everyone here voluntarily? Pardon? Are you suggesting this is some sort of camp or prison? No, just wondering. 
Apologies for the insinuation. Look beside you. You and him might have plenty in common. Coral turns to the man next to her as he nods. He is a former Nautic. The head enlightened looks towards the Enchanter. Even you are represented here and represented well. How did everyone get here? And why are you here? That is a good question. We are all of a similar mind, a mind filled with compassion, egoless, endlessly searching for answers. The kingdoms could only focus on the trivial things, land, resources, which only leads to jealousy. So we all left, climbed the mountain, and never looked back. Drifters. Enlightened. Hmm, okay, so I'm getting the sense that you're not going to be so forthcoming with a way to help us on our quest. Saving what you know. Oh, yes. What if I could promise you love here? Safety, free from the dangers of those less developed in the mind. Maybe this is the only answer you need. Is there a magical garden? The very mention of a magical garden brings about silence. That is quite the interruption. Yes, there is. You've seen it. Can we go? Why don't we finish our dinner? No disrespect, lady, but we've come a long way. Can we please just... Finish your meal. Please. Apologies, just excited as all. Durant, don't you think we should get moving as soon as possible? Durant gives Bello a stern look. We will, Bella, we will, but we can't be rude and rush our meal with these fine individuals. We are one, not individuals like our enchanter friends. They are the closest to us in body and mind, but not close enough, sadly. Why don't you make the toast around of the city? All right, do you know me? Like, actually know me? Because I'm getting the feeling that you do. Durand Wellington, son of Dominic Wellington. Your grandfather was the great General Guy Wellington. Did you know him? Of course, my dear. He was my husband. Wait, your husband? Wait, you're my grandmother? More than that. I'm also your ally who left you that note. I'm the rumor bird that warned you of the stone showers. I'm the figure who showed you the safest pathway up the Magnificent. Without that, I'm afraid you wouldn't have made it. No one does. How did everyone here make it up the mountains? Bello's question is ignored. How come I've never met you? I almost got him to leave with me, but he was just too stubborn. Refused to abandon his soldiers and you, of course. But my time in the world ran its course and he knew. So I left. Did you know my parents? There's so much I want to know I, I, that I need to know. You will, my dear. In time. Now, let's eat. The Enlightened claps her hands, and seemingly on cue, servers arrive with dishes full of exotic-looking foods. I I'd really like to know now if that's okay. It's not. Now I suggest you try- Please! Everyone at the table goes silent. The Enlightened takes a dramatically long sip of her soup. Ah, beautiful. The aromas, the taste, just beautiful. My parents! You will learn in time. I'm afraid we don't have time. We must leave at sunrise. We have a job to do. Are those below truly worth saving? Of course they are. What sort of question is that? C Coral, what if we stayed? Maybe this is what we were destined to find all along. Durant, we have family back home. Millions of lives are depending on us. We must get going. But we'll find answers here. Your answers 
Would you two like a moment in private? We don't mind. Coral nods emphatically. Her and Durand excuse themselves from the table. Don't leave me here for too long, please. I promise. They walk around back of their cleaning chamber. Look, I understand your need to find out more about your parents, but to be honest, I don't trust a word this lady says. How can we? She knows my name. My, my parents' name. Do you even know your parents' name? No. This could all be lies. Your grandfather is well known across the Four Kingdoms. She could be manipulating you. Us. Think of Gerwa, his family. We must not stay longer than we have to. I know, I know. Sorry for feeling conflicted over the chance that this lady could be the only family I have left. I understand. But we need you. As much as we've clashed since leaving the forest, we still need each other. This is bigger than us. Bigger than any personal traumas. We can't let this divide us. Duran lets out a lengthy exhale. He nods his head. Okay, fine. You're right. We've come this far together for a cause that's bigger than us. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Just clear your mind. I will. I will. Let's get back before they get suspicious. Okay. You sure you're okay? I'm okay. I am. Durand and Coral make their way back to the table. Bello and the Enchanter are silently eating their food. No one has said a word. Eerie. Sorry. Just had to talk Durand off a ledge. And? He's fine. We'll be leaving after dinner. I'm afraid we can't let you do that, my dear. Excuse me? Once you arrive, you don't leave. Only way we keep our utopia. So we're your prisoners now? <laughs> no, you are freed from the restraints of the life you lived. Listen, lady, this isn't for me. Coral, Durand, Enchanter, let's go. My fellow enlightened, we have those who believe to be above us. Our ways are not up to their standards. Durand, get up, let's go. This is all the family I have left. I need answers. I need answers. They're here. The answers are here. I, I need these answers. You need to snap out of it. Let's go. Bello attempts to grab Duran's arm, yet he pulls it away. Bello, more are here. Danger is near. More enlightened enter the courtyard. Bello, get behind me. We walk out together. Durand, get up. They open their robes and reveal swords. This isn't good. Durand, please! Maybe this is it. I need to know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If they move beyond the courtyard, silence them permanently. The three shuffle together towards the front gate. Their bows are loaded and pointing in every direction. Bello grabs Durand's bag without thinking and slings it over his shoulder. If you couldn't do any more of that magic, Mr. Enchanter, that wouldn't be the worst idea. Durand keeps his head down. An enlightened charges towards Bello, Coral, and the Enchanter with their sword. Coral fires her arrow, taking him down. Get them! Now! The enlightened soldiers now surround the three, with their backs facing the gate. A loud crash is heard from outside of the gate. Fire erupts from above the doors. The enlightened rush to see what is happening. A man drops down from the top of the gate and begins to fight alongside them. Bray! I couldn't let my sister come out here all alone. Start shooting! They are fighting for their lives, taking out one enlightened after another. Bay and Coral are now back to back. We need to get out of here. These two are with us. What about the guy sitting down? He doesn't look like the rest. He is, was with us. Well, are we saving him or can we go now? I don't know. Bello? No idea. Starting to get overwhelmed here. Hi, Bay. Hello there. Dura! 
Durand? Durand hasn't moved from his chair. The Enlightened have put the fire out and reinforcements have arrived. We have to go. He's lost it. We can always come back for him. We'll be fine without him. Ugh, okay. Bay, Coral, Bello, and the Enchanter escape through the front gates and into the unknown. The Enlightened quickly work to restore the front gate. Defeated, Durand remains seated at the table with his head in his hands. The Enlightened Woman walks towards Durand and places her hand lovingly on his shoulder. You've made the right choice. To be concluded in part three, The Garden.